Amen. Thank you, Jacob, for, for reading. Uh, yeah, so I feel, I feel like we've reached a bit of a turning point in our series so far. We're, we're going through the nine marks of a healthy church. And this is where it kind of gets a bit practical and uh, where we go in some ways from the theory, from you know, the philosophy, if you like, through to what it actually looks like and how it works out and the context of that. So we're at week six of our series through the nine marks of a healthy church, which means after this week we've got, we've got three. Um, three left. So uh, just in case you've, you've missed anything that we, we've done so far, we're, we're going through this series, The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, to try and understand what a healthy church looks like, because we're, we're starting this church from scratch. We want to make sure that when, when it grows, by God's grace, it's healthy. Um, and so we have to look at the Bible to understand what the Bible teaches about what a healthy church looks like. And so that's where the nine marks come from. Uh, from, from the Bible. And so, uh, just as by way of summary, we looked at, in week three about the gospel, the good news that's at the center of the Christian faith, the good news of Jesus. Um, and what that's all about, you can listen online, go back on our podcast and, and listen to that. Week four, or mark number four rather, uh, was conversion. So we've got the gospel, and then we sort of think about how, how, how the good news of, of Jesus Christ and what he did affects us and how do we sort of convert or how, you know, uh, how, how does that transformation process take place? So that was conversion. And then last week we looked at evangelism, which is the, the sharing of the good news, the pronouncement of what Jesus has done uh, the, you know, uh, to the ends of the earth. And so this week uh, we're looking at church membership, uh, which might feel to you like a bit of a, an awkward gear change or sort of a crunch in the gears. You're moving up the gears nicely and suddenly we get to this church membership thing and you think, oh my goodness, what has that got to do with anything? What does that have to do with a, an exciting, trendy church plant? Um, but the way the Bible puts it, and I'm, I'm going to try and explain this as we, as we go on a bit later on, church membership or connection to a local church is what happens next after someone comes to faith, after someone converts and becomes a Christian, starts become, becoming a follower of Jesus by faith. Uh, they're saved, if you like. Um, the next stage, according to the Bible, is that they are therefore connected, or should connect, to a local church. Because the local church is the place, according to the Bible, where your transformation takes place, where life changes. It changes in character and it changes in, in context. All right, um, we're going to look at how it changes in character, how your life changes in its sort of core being and in, in in, in how you are and what you look like. Uh, that's, that's Mark 8, uh, which is discipleship. So that's two weeks from now. But the other way that your life will change when you come to Christ, when you become a Christian, is in its context. And that is you know, what surrounds your life, which is, which is where we get church membership from. That's sort of the, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the, the mold that your life goes into. It's church membership. So after you become a Christian, you, you, you connect to a local church. And that's the way the Bible describes the one of the transformations that takes place in your life. Why, why is this a mark of a healthy church? Why, why is, is church membership uh, such a big deal as far as we can see? Well, uh, God, in his, in his wisdom, has chosen to display his glory through the local church. Uh, we read in Psalm 19 that, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of that stuff. Yes, amen, wonderful. God displays his glory, but the place where he displays it most clearly and most amazingly on a day-to-day -day level is in the local church. 
The Bible says that the church is the wisdom and the power of God. And so although it may not feel like it, uh, and you may not feel it just now, God is displaying his glory through local churches such as this and many other types out there. God displays his glory in the local church. It is his plan A for what he wants to do in the world. It is the local church. And so therefore, when you come to faith in Christ, it is no surprise that God, through Christ, expects you to be connected to a local church. That is where he demonstrates his glory. And I'll try and demonstrate that a bit later on as we, as we go on. Uh, the passage that, that uh, Jacob has just read to us uh, may be familiar to you. Maybe this is the first time you've read it for yourself. Um, it gives us a glimpse of the, the early church, the very early church. We're talking hours old here. Uh, in some respects. Uh, what's been going on? Well, uh, it says the, the, the apostles and, and other disciples were to get, put me together uh, in a room. Um, we don't know what they're doing, but we suspect they're probably praying together in the room. They're in Jerusalem. And then uh, a sound like wind came upon, uh, you know, sort of filled, filled the room. Uh, tongues of fire appeared and separated and sort of sat on top of them, if you like, the appearance of fire. And the Holy Spirit, this is the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They started speaking in tongues, other languages, declaring the glories of God. Uh, and, and, and different people who were in Jerusalem at that time for the festival could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed in their own language. And so that's the context of what's going on. And Peter gets up uh, to give the first Christian sermon, if you like. He preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says to the people that are listening, Jesus Christ, who you killed, who died on a cross, who was buried and who rose again, of which we are witnesses, Jesus Christ, he is Lord, he is the Messiah. And it says in verse 37, the first verse of our passage this evening, when they heard, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts. This is the, the, uh, the audience. They were cut to the heart. They realized their guilt before God. They realized the way they had treated Christ in their minds and in their hearts and in their actions. They were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? And the apostles replied, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 41, as we track the story through, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So we've got the gospel being preached, people being affected. They're asking, what should we do in response? The, 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 the apostle said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive the spirit. And then they respond and, and, and put their faith in Christ and be baptized. And then what happens? They get added together. They get added together as, a, as the new community, as the, as the new church. And what we see here in verse 41 is, is the prototype of, of the Christian community formed together because of Jesus. And that has carried on and on and on and replicated and divided and replicated and divided Century after century, right up until 2017, as we stand here today at Foundation Church, we are heirs, if you like. We are children of verse 41. We're here because of what happened here. Okay? 
So that's kind of the, the context of what's going on in this passage. Now, uh, when we try and uh, think about what, what church membership is all about, we can ask a few questions of the text as we go through and hopefully answer them by looking and examining what it says. So we're going to ask, first of all, what does church membership look like? Okay, what does it mean to be a part of a church? What does it look like? Second question we're going to ask is who is it for? Who can, who can come into the Christian community? And the final question we're going to look at is how does it work? So what does it look like? What is it, who is it for? And how does it work? So first of all, what does it look like? Down at verse 42, let's read that together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. When you see the word they at the beginning of verse 42, that's referring to the, the people in verse 41. You know, the 3,000 or so that were added that day, that were heard the message, responded in faith, were baptized, they were added together. It's them that we're talking about in verse 42. So what does it look like? First of all, we see that they devoted themselves to number one, the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what church membership looks like, being devoted to the apostles' teaching. We get a flavor of that so far in Acts chapter 2. We see it as Acts rolls on and, and the apostles teach and teach and teach. And what, what they're doing in their teaching and in their writing is preaching the gospel. They're talking about Jesus. They're witness to him. They're three years with Jesus and then seeing him die and seeing him risen again and, and the explanation of what that means. That's what the apostles' teaching is in, in different ways, in different uh, nuances, applying it to different situations. But ultimately, that's what the apostles are teaching. And we see that in the New Testament. The New Testament is a, a collection of the writings of uh, the apostles or sort of eyewitness accounts of what the apostles did in the Gospels and, and the letters and all that sort of stuff. They devote, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That characterizes church membership. And like last week, if you are with us, you'll know that we, we uh, stood together and we, we read or confessed the Apostles' Creed, uh, this ancient um, a summary of the Christian faith. It wasn't written by the apostles, but it was, uh, you know, the teaching of the apostles summed up in these 12 statements or phrases. I believe in this. I believe in that. I believe in the other thing. And so that's what we seek to do here at Foundation Church. Just like in the days of the early church, the brand new church is to get around the apostles' teaching, to, to understand what the apostles want us to understand through the Bible. That's why, you know, we're going through these nine marks. Essentially, we talk about <clears throat> our commitment to the Bible. We talk about Bible theology, you know, that overarching story of the Bible. We talk about the gospel. All of this is our way of being devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're witness to Jesus and explaining the meaning. So we do that here too. So number one, it looks like the apostles' teaching. But the other thing, back to verse 42 again, they say that they are devoted not only to the apostles' teaching, not just to listening to their sermons and talking about them and all that sort of stuff, but it says they are devoted to the fellowship. So that's the second thing that church membership looks like, is, is fellowship, which is, which is the sharing of life together. Look down at verse 46. It says that they were <clears throat> in and out of each other's homes, you know, together breaking bread in their homes. Uh, they're in the temple together, worshipping God. Uh, it says in verse 44, all who believed were all together. In verse 45, it tells us that, that this, this fellowship, this church community willingly gave up possessions. They sold them so that they could give to each other. There was no material need among the fellowship of the church. 
This is just such a, a beautiful scene we see right here. Can you imagine something like that in today's society? A group of people who are so committed to one another that they give to each other, they serve one another. They're a place where there is no poor or rich between them. A place where there's no economic barriers or separation. Because that's what we see here in the early church. They're committed to the gospel word through the apostles' teaching. But they're also committed to the gospel community, to each other, to the fellowship. You know, the local church is the place of new relationships. It's the place, the only place on earth where you'll get two different people together that you would never get together in a million years. But because of Jesus, because he died to break down the divisions between people, we should naturally see them coming together in the local church. And we see that just here. We see the poor and the rich together. Later on, we see how the gospel breaks down religious divides, sectarian divides, gender divides. All people of all backgrounds are to be found together in the local church. That's what it looks like to be devoted to the fellowship. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to the fellowship, this beautiful picture of serving one another, no poor among us. But also it says in verse 42, the breaking of bread and the prayers. They're devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers. In short, they're devoted to worship. The breaking of the bread here refers to the sharing of, of the Lord's Supper or communion. We were singing about it, you know, uh, lift up the cup and breaking the bread. We haven't started doing that just yet at Foundation Church, but we, we shall be uh, sometime after, after Easter going into uh, communion times when we get to do that. But that's part of worship. And the prayers, it says the prayers, this sort of set liturgical prayers that probably existed in the Jewish temple. They were, they were committed to, to those prayers, obviously seeing it through different eyes now because of Christ, but still they were committed to, to this gathered worship, getting together, this sort of formal, regular worship. It says in verse 46, they broke bread in their homes with glad and, and generous hearts. It says in verse 47, they were praising God. You see, this isn't some sort of sterile community where they're all looking miserable and all serious people. They're, these are people that are, are grateful, that are joyful, energetic because of what Jesus has done for them. Because they've understood the gospel and they respond in gratitude to Jesus. <clears throat> so they're committed to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to one another, to worship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. And finally, we can see then this kind of community, the impact that it has on the watching world. Inside the church, we can say, but also outside the church. It says in verse 43, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. See, the behavior of this group attracted the attention of the outside world. It says in verse 47, this worshiping, loving, self-sacrificing community developed favor, it says, with all the people. That is the watching world. They could see what was going on in the church. They knew there was something new, something different, something countercultural. 
And people wanted to know more. You can see the impact, can't you, then, on the gospel, of the gospel community on those outside. Growing in favour with all the people. And it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you see how this sort of thing starts to work? Last week we were talking about evangelism. And we were saying that evangelism is the sharing of the good news of Jesus. But it's not something that we necessarily need to think of doing as individuals, although we should. But it's something we do as a church. And you can start to see in this passage how natural and, and, and organic their evangelism is, the, the way that they are with one another. And the way that emits a sort of light into the darkness. The way that displays the glory of God. But not just because they were talking interesting philosophy and theology, but because of simple practical ways that they were living and the way that they were treating one another. That was having an impact on those outside the church. So we see a commitment to the apostles' teaching, to Bible teaching, commitment to one another in fellowship, a commitment to worship, and then the remarkable impact that has. That's what church membership should look like. And before we go down the track of, of voting and being on the membership roll and all that kind of stuff, that's just the way it works out for some people. But this right here is how it should look. This is how wonderful and beautiful it is. This is why it's God's plan A for his people. The local church is the place where people go from being uncertain about Jesus to coming to faith in him to, to being new creations in Christ and then to belonging to the church. And that's what we want here at Foundation Church. This is what is already happening among us, even though we are small in number. Because right here among us and among you, there is a commitment to the gospel word of Jesus and the gospel community, the, the, the fellowship and that is already emitting light and demonstrating the glory of God in our everyday relationships. And that's what we want to see more and more and more so that we'll be more like what we see here in the very early days of the early church. You can start to see why God places such an emphasis on local church membership or connection, if you prefer that word. Being connected to the place where God's people are for their benefit and for his glory. So what does it look like? It is beautiful. It is wonderful. So next then we're, we're asking the question, not just what does it look like, but who is it for? Because this is a deeply attractive, compelling, countercultural thing. People would want to be part of a community like this. How, how do we get that? Is it possible to just sort of sidestep all the religious stuff and just join in anyway? Can we have the deep relationships and the great community without all the Jesus talk? Well, according to the apostles, no, we can't. Because as we've just read in that text, this sort of community that we see in verses 42 to 47 is only possible because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for his people. That then affects the way they live with one another. So we can't have gospel community without gospel word. Because of the effects that Jesus has on the mind and the heart and the soul of his people, that is the only way that we can enter into this kind of fellowship, this sort of community, this, this membership that we see here in the local church. 
Look at verse 41. Uh, it says that those who received his word, that is his preaching about Jesus, they, were, they received it in faith and they were baptized and then they were added to the church. It's for those who receive the word who can enter into this community, who receive it in faith, who respond, who come to Christ, who are forgiven, be baptized, and then enter the, the community that Jesus has in store for them. And this is the they, don't forget, in verse 42. It is those who are already in the church, it's them that devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching and so on. It's interesting here, baptism <coughs> uh, is something that has divided Christians for many, many, many centuries. Um, who gets baptized, under what conditions? But when we look here at the early church, it's for those who come to faith in Jesus, the next step or the, the way that that's expressed is through, through baptism. Simple as that. Baptism happens at the, the beginning of the Christian life. Uh, sometimes, particularly for people like me who've come from a, a Baptist background, Baptist church, I mean, it's sort of delayed, isn't it? Baptism is delayed to some sort of unspecified period in the future, uh, when, when you're old enough, kind of thing. But the Bible here, it seems clear. Baptism marks the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. It marks the start of your faith and the coming into the church community, not something we delay indefinitely at some time in the future. So who is baptism for? Well, it's kind of in there, isn't it? Anyone who hears the word, who responds in faith, whether you're old or young, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, doesn't matter. As long as you respond to the good news of Jesus and express that in baptism, you then enter the community of God's people. As we said earlier, the local church is the context for gospel growth. It's the place where God's people grow to become more like Jesus. And we're going to sort of unpack that as we go on in the next few weeks. Maybe you're at that place just now yourself where you have faith in Christ, but <clears throat> you need to know the next step to take in order to enter into what he has in store for you. It might be that you have faith already, but you haven't been baptised. And so maybe that, for you, is your next step. Maybe you don't have faith at all. Maybe you're still investigating. In which case, you need to exercise that faith. You need to receive uh, the goodness of what Jesus has done for you by holding out the empty hands of faith. Maybe you have both of those things, and yet <clears throat> you are disconnected from the local church. And so as we sort of uh, process and, and go forward at uh, Foundation Church, uh, we're going to start a process of, of uh, membership in order to recognize and affirm uh, one another. So we've, we've thought a bit about <clears throat> what church membership looks like, and we see that in these, these amazing verses at the very start of the early church. We've thought about who this kind of community is for, and it's for anybody and everybody, but people who have accepted the gospel and come to believe and been baptized. And so specifically then, let's ask ourselves as we come to the sort of the close of this, this talk, how does this work out for us? How does this look for us as a, as a church? Uh, what does church membership look like? Uh, maybe, maybe just a bit confused at the moment. Maybe you're uncertain about 
this term church membership and where it's come from, and there's no word membership in this text that we've just read, so are you not just sort of imposing your human values on the Bible and all that kind of stuff? Well, no, I'm not. Um, as we go on, as you'll see next week and the week after, membership is something that's clearly in the Bible, just maybe don't, doesn't use that word. But think of it like this. Think of the local church as, as an outpost of the kingdom of God. The church is not the kingdom of God, but it represents the kingdom of God. Rather like an embassy. If you go away on holiday to a foreign country and you, you lose your passport, say you're in America, what do you do? You go to the embassy of your own nationality, whether you're British or Irish or whatever nationality, you go to the embassy and you get your passport signed and stamped and replaced and then you can go on with your travels. Well, in some ways, the local church is like the embassy. It's not the home country. It's not the homeland, but it's an outpost. It represents the values of the homeland on foreign soil. And in some ways, that's exactly like the local church. Representing the values of King Jesus, living them out among ourselves in the local church, but yet still knowing that we are foreigners. Our home is not here. Our home is with him in his kingdom. And so we can think of the local church like that. And so church membership then comes along and, and, and uh, in some ways church membership can be understood as the passport, as the stamp that you get in order to show to the world that you're a citizen of another country. And so when we connect to the church, when we become members of a local church, uh, that is a way of being handed a passport to say this person here, this man or this woman or this child belongs to the kingdom of heaven. And we validate that by giving you a passport, by receiving you as a member of the church. You enter into the gospel community and you're sort of recognized and have your passport stamped by the embassy. That's what local church membership uh, is all about. And there's different ways, of course, that churches have worked this out um, in, in the past, formally or informally. Uh, but one of the things we say here at Foundation Church, and one of our four distinctives, is, is that we are Baptistic in polity which isn't exactly um, a very sort of sexy thing to say. But what we're, what we're saying is, baptistic means that we, we, we baptize adults, we don't baptize babies. Um, it means uh, that we operate a formal church membership. It means that we are led by elders, and we will be one day when we get elders. That's what baptistic means. Polity, the word polity simply means uh, the way we organize ourselves as a church, how the church is set up, how it functions. So we're Baptistic in polity, all right? And that means that we will operate a formal church membership, which, as I said earlier, uh, will roll out after Easter. Now, I've got in my notes, recommend book, but I've completely forgotten to bring the book I'm supposed to recommend. But it's a church, if you've got a pen, you can write it down. Uh, it's a book called Church Membership, and it's by a guy called Jonathan Lehman, and it's about that thick, so it's probably less than 100 pages. You can read it in an afternoon if you're quick or maybe over a couple of days if you're a bit slower like me. Uh, Church Membership by Jonathan Lehman. It, it just opens up the, the, the entire biblical teaching on, on membership. And I, I guarantee you, if you read that book, uh, it will draw your heart towards church membership like never before. And it'll hopefully explain, if I've done a bad job, it'll hopefully explain uh, the, the blessing and the benefit, God's intention behind being connected to the local church. So read, read that book. But anyway, we're Baptistic in polity, and we're going to start that uh, process of formal church membership after Easter. 
Okay. Maybe you're, you're sitting here thinking to yourself, my goodness me, <clears throat> all this talk of church membership just sounds incredibly restrictive. Uh, maybe, maybe you've just heard the account of Acts chapter 2 and uh, the, the, the early church and the fellowship they had there, and maybe you think, oh, this is amazing. But what you're saying to me, David, there's too many hoops to jump through. Baptism, and then you've got to do this, and you've got to come here and get the sign. Maybe just faith is enough, just faith in Jesus, that's all I need. Maybe there's just too many stepping stones here. But as we read the text carefully, we realize that it's just a smooth process from hearing the gospel to believing it, to being baptized, to then entering into the church. That's how it seems to go. That is God's intended purpose for his people, to hear the gospel word, join the gospel community, and that's symbolized through the water of baptism. What we're saying when we come into church membership is, here are a group of people that I am committing my life to. Um, it's quite easy, I think, sometimes as Christians to say grand things and say wonderful things. We, we have to love all people. Love your neighbour. And that's true. We should do that. Wonderful. But, but, but sometimes when you go out of the church and, and uh, you just see the world, there are so many neighbours around, so many people to love, that it's bewildering and, and there are so many things that you could do and and maybe sometimes if you're anything like me you end up doing none of them or very few things and more often than not you don't love your neighbor as much as you should we say things as christians that are easy to say in general but actually difficult to do and so church membership is one of those things that we can say i am a, a follower of jesus and i am committed to these people here my fellow members I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to give them stuff. I'm going to give myself for them. These are the people that I'm devoted to. These are the people I'm sharing life with. These are the people that I'm going to hold accountable. They're going to hold me accountable. They're going to challenge me. They're going to bring me to a, a, a deeper love and trust in, in Jesus. They're going to walk with me and I'm going to walk with them in sickness and in health. It's kind of like a marriage. And so church membership is a gift. It is Jesus' intended purpose for his people to live out their faith together, covenanted together as members of a church. Maybe this is all new to you, and I'm very happy to sit down and talk with you about this and, and hopefully flesh this kind of stuff out as we, as we go along. But what, the one thing I want to remind you as we close just now is that the gospel community, that is the local church, is formed by the gospel word. You can't have one without the other. Next week, we're going to look at another aspect of church membership and hopefully revisit some of these things here. But what I would say to you is don't wait until the series is finished before you start practicing church membership. Okay, it's not formally started yet, but don't wait till we're done the nine marks before you start leaning into one another. Don't wait till we're done after Easter before you start developing your relationships with one another. Why not start now? Open your lives to each other. Open your homes to one another. Pray for each other. Find out ways that you can encourage the people you're sat next to in your seat. Because this is how church membership begins. Committing to live the life with one another. Why don't you reflect on this passage this week? And as you do so, May God enlarge our hearts for the local church and for one another as we represent Christ 
to the surrounding world.